Father, I just thank you for Brother Mark. I thank you for his example in our lives. Lord, um, the blessing they are to us. I just pray you'd bless him and his wife. Lord, I pray you just clear his mind now. Give him your words. I mean, speak your, your oracles. Lord, help us to receive what you have. Help us to walk in the Spirit and help us to seek your kingdom first as he speaks this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm assuming that all of you behind your masks are smiling, too. I would like to sing a song before we get started here. It's a song of commitment. It's a song of desire. It's a song that I'd like to for us to bear on our hearts or what this song is talking about. I'd like to bear on our hearts today as we speak. Number 383. Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a light to shine upon the road that leads me to Sadness I knew when first I saw the Lord. Where is the soul refreshing view of Jesus and His Word? The dearest idol. Closer walk with God. Without all the distractions and all the the uh, temptations and all the, the the things of life that tend to draw us down and away from God, all oh, for a closer walk with God. <clears throat> I pray and I believe and I trust that's all of your hearts this morning. To walk closer and closer with God. That's what I'd like to talk a little bit about this morning. Maybe how to walk closer to with God. <clears throat> I 
I was going to say something at the end of our Bible study there that Brother Carl led, and, and he didn't see my hand, but that's fine. I'll say it now. We, sometimes we look at the Revelation, the book of the Revelation, and say, what does this mean? And, and even this morning we had no conclusions, just different ideas and thoughts and suggestions of what it might mean. To me, I, I have no problem doing that. But to me, it's little like this. When I read the book of the Revelation, what I see is proof and power of God's control. That's what I see. We read in the beginning, God created all things. And we got the Bible all the way down through today. Well, it ended 2,000 years ago or so, but we live it all the way through today. And then we see the consummation. God has it all in control. Even though we don't understand how it's all going to happen, we still have this as proof. And it'll be proof, just like those men that found out the Bible was true. It'll be proof someday to people it is true and God is in control. So may we each one, as we study, as we look at the book of the Revelation, just remember, while it strikes fear in the hearts of the world, and it should, it can also give us the reassurance that God is in control. We don't have to be afraid. Sure, we look at some of those things. and There may be some, I don't know how much of the, of the tribulation we'll have to go through. I don't know how much the Christians, some people say none, some people say some, some people say whatever. I don't know. But one thing I know is, that as I read this and I, I realize that this is God's way of telling us I'm in control and I'll end all things the way I want to end all things. And to those, it's a it's a it's a um, it's a lesson for some of those to learn. If you're not ready to die today, if you're not ready to die at that time, you're going to be fearful. And you're going to be sorry. But if you're ready, we can trust that God is in control. So to me. While I don't spend a lot of time studying the book of the Revelation, I do find that it's a very important book because it tells me something. It teaches me something. It teaches me that God is in control. <clears throat> in our age of ease, which we live in a very easy age, we're not persecuted, especially in our country and in our state, whatever it is, wherever we are, even Pennsylvania, the same way. We live here and it is very easy for us to lose sight of the severity or the necessity of life to live it in a consecrated way. You can you can read in the past of and you can read even today of the martyrs that they how they have uh, they have withstood all these these uh, evil men who attempted to destroy their faith and make them turn away from God. But who stood strong? I'd like to for us in our situation today, we're not there. We're not we're not facing the fires of, of torment or the fires of martyrdom. We're not facing any of that that we know of. What we are facing is a world of complacency. A life that is so easy to live complacent and without concern for some of the things of life. We, we, just, we just live it because it's so easy. But that's what our persecution, that's what, our, that's what we deal with today. We deal with the, the possibility and the 
opportunity of complacency. How do we deal with that? If we were facing the fires of martyrdom, we would prepare ourselves in in just uh, how we would do it. We would spend it in prayer and we would would gather the brethren around and we would pray and we would encourage one another and we'd be a blessing to one another and say, hold faithful, uh, brother. Stand true. It's worth it. In the end, you'll be glad. That's what we would do. And we, in some senses, do that today. But I'd like to get a little more personal than that, a little more inside of my heart, inside of your heart, of how to handle this great temptation to complacency. Turn with me to Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Maybe we will read a few verses there. A little background of Daniel. Daniel was a man of God. Uh, We have no doubt about that. Daniel was was taken into captivity. So he was he was of the Jews and the Chaldeans and uh, they overran the, the country and they took some of these people from the Jews from from the land of Israel there and they put them in his in, in the king's court. And Daniel was one of those. He was a man, if, if I understand it right, as I looked uh, earlier about who he was, he was a man who lived through four kings. He ministered to four different kings. It looks to me like it was Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus, Persian. A Jew. One of the ones that, that they conquered. One that come from the, 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 the land that these, these other armies conquered. So here was Daniel, and there are others, but I'm just, we're talking about Daniel this morning. Four kings. Now, how did he do that? How did he manage to maintain the favor of all four of these kings that were they, they, those four kings were intent on destroying the very people that he was from? I want to I want to present with to you and I, it's probably not a new principle to you, but I want to present to you a principle or what Daniel did that made him able to stand before these kings and and. Okay, this is what Daniel did. I, I realize and understand and give God the credit for all these things. It was all in God's plan that, that Daniel do this. And, and, and God used Daniel and, and God spoke through Daniel. And, and Daniel was God's uh, mouthpiece there in many ways. But he was a mouthpiece. He was used by God because he did something. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake to Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom is no blemish. But well favored, skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace 
and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these, uh, these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, and he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. <clears throat> now comes the point I want to make. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defy himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. <clears throat> Everyday life. We get up in the morning. We take care of ourselves. We have our quiet time. We have our time with God. And we have our time where we spend praying and reading and and. And bringing our hearts and our minds to God so that we can meet the day. So that when the trials of life come, we're prepared. <clears throat> and I would encourage you. Obviously, there's a, there's a time and place for harvest. But I'd encourage you to make it a practice and a habit to daily find time to meet with God and purpose in your heart. Purpose in your heart. I mean, it's like. You, you let this thing come into your heart and say, Lord, it's me now. And I purpose. I am setting my heart and my eyes. I'm setting my, de my decisions, my desires. I'm setting them that I will be faithful to you in every single way that I can. He purposed in his heart. He didn't just uh, <clears throat> decide he was going to do something or whatever. But I like to somehow bring it into us and say, in your heart, in the very depth of your soul, in the very uh, core of your being. Purpose in your heart to live faithful today. Today. I know what it's like. I go out, I go to the, I go to the, the office, to the shop there, and, and we have to deal with things in the business and, and deal with customers and, and some of them... Easier than others, but we deal with them. And uh, to those who are not so easy, it's pretty easy to let this <clears throat> rise up. Except I purpose in my heart that that's not going to be my testimony today. When I go home in the evening, I, I purpose in my heart, when I go home in the evening, that I'll go home with a free and clear conscience. I purpose in my heart. This is what I'm going to do. Now, <clears throat> I'm not leaving God out of the equation. Uh, God gives us these things. God makes our heart the way it is. Um, and God can do whatever He wants to do. But when we give ourselves and let the Lord have, have our hearts and say, Lord, you do with it what you want. And we purpose, we make this choice and decision He's given us to say, I will let you do what you want. And I will at the end of the day, by your grace, be able to look back and say, I have done the will of God today. <clears throat> Let that be. Let that be every day of our life. I have purposed in my heart that I will do the will of God. That's what Daniel did. And because of that, Daniel was able to do marvelous things. God used him marvelously. And I, we don't need to go any more into that. But I just want to make a first point. 
this whole issue and idea of purposing in your heart. I will do this. Okay, that comes various ways. And, I, and, and we could we could come at it from the angle of by the very sheer power I have within me, I will do this. That's necessary to make that decision. It's also necessary to say, by the power of God, I will do this. I give myself to the power of God in this. And he will. It's pretty easy for us sometimes to think of these people who are martyred, these people who are persecuted, that when they held fast through these times of great trial, that they just kind of like just moved into it and, and they were just automatically there. They're just automatically. We don't necessarily read of the of the of the the efforts they went to, the trials they went through, the things they learned of how to remain faithful. That's not the way it is. I'm going to suggest to you that it there is a that every the, that the reason behind all of the actions and decisions we make, there's something back there that have made you do that. There's something back there that has motivated you to make every decision you make. Sometimes those, those actions and those decisions are not very wise. I'm going to suggest to you that that's because you didn't prepare yourself to make a wise decision. I'm going to suggest to you that if you yielded to temptation, it's because you didn't prepare yourself to meet that temptation. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Or one way we can do it. Well, let me just say it straight out right now. The way you prepare yourself to meet even the little temptations and the big temptations are is this way. Make every situation before you that is potentially contrary to the word of God. Make it big. Every little temptation. Make it big. This is a big thing. I'm not willing to 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 let this little thing overcome me or overtake me. If it's just a little a little, a little thought that comes to your mind about uh, of resistance or of uh, um, dislike towards somebody. Take that thing and say, this is a big sin. And deal with it. Don't let even the little ones grow and become anything other than a repented sin. Take everything, every little situation and make it big. Make it say, this is big. And then when the big ones come, you'll be able to handle those too. Because you know how to handle them. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Your spiritual soul is more important than your physical body. Make it big. It's not a little thing to deal with your spiritual soul. It's not a little thing. And Jesus even says, you don't need to worry about these physical things. I'll take care of those. If you'll do what I ask you to, I'll take care of the rest. And we are clearly we have that we're taking care of. Clearly we are. <clears throat> now, in Mark, he says, I'm just going to go straight to this verse in Mark, chapter 13, verse 11, he says, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do you premeditate it, premeditate, but whatsoever you shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Take these things and 
and uh, take take the word of God. That that's going to happen. Okay. You are only going to be able to do that if you will have prepared yourself ahead of time to receive what God has to give you. He can speak to you, but he cannot speak to a hard heart. He can't speak to a heart that is resistant. He can only speak to the heart that is receptive. And that's how whenever you are called up before the magistrates, whether you are, whether you ever will be or not, you will be able to stand and be able to speak the truth. That's when the Holy Ghost will speak to you when you have softened your heart in the previous time to allow him to speak to you. And also at that time. I ask ourselves the question, what is our purpose on earth? Why are we here? I ask ourselves the question, what testimony will I leave behind? A couple of people died recently back in Pennsylvania. Uh, saints. Well, more than that, I'm sure. But we knew of these saints. Uh, they died recently and <clears throat> their testimonies. They have a they have a testimony not nobody questioned their sincerity, their love for the Lord. Nobody questioned that at all. We recognize that God is a judge. But from our perspective, they left a testimony behind of godliness. Probably all you know, Abner Kaufman, he passed away. Some of you who do, he passed away. Also, Rachel Weaver, uh, she's one that wrote the book, Be Your Own Doctor. Uh, she also passed away recently. In fact, um, her funeral is today. Actually going on right now, probably. Yeah. <clears throat> but those 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 people left behind a witness and a testimony. And I would dare say the reason they did one of the reasons they did is because they dealt with little things as they came along. <clears throat> I, I am going to move through this a little quicker than I thought I would just because I think. I'd like to, uh, if you all remember last time I was here, it went a little long, so I'm going to try to make up for it a little bit. Okay, I don't know if that's possible or not, but I'm sure you've all forgiven me of that, but uh, this way you don't have to. Let me go quickly through this. I looked at the Sermon on the Mount, and some of those things in there, they're pretty drastic, radical things, maybe even more radical than we generally at first tend to think because we <clears throat> kind of get started in life and our parents did a certain way. Our grandparents did a certain way. Our parents did a certain way. Now we do a certain way. Kind of just kind of flow together without really possibly. It's good for us sometimes to go back and review why we do the things we do, why we don't do the things we don't do. Review what Jesus actually said to do and what he said to not do. He said, first of all, he said, ye, talking to his people, are the salt of the earth. You are the preservation of the earth. You are the thing that is that is valuable in the earth. But if you lose what you what you are supposed to be testifying of, if you don't have that testimony, you're of no value. You're of no value. To the, the command that Jesus has given here to the expectation of Christ. So he says, therefore, let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. He goes on, he talks about anger. He said, you said, heard in the old time, they shouldn't kill. And uh, 
whosoever would kill would be in the danger of the judgment. And he said unto you in, in Matthew, he says, but I say unto you that whosoever shall who is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. I'll just stop there just a little bit and explain why I believe what I believe that without a cause means. That the way it's written there, it sounds like that you can be angry if you have a reason to be angry. Well, that that violates the very principle he's talking about. So he means something different than that. So I like to look at it at the fact. The fact is, you really have no cause to be angry with your brother. There is no reason for you to be angry with your brother. Brothers are to love. Brothers are to help. They're not to be angry to angry at. He says, leave therefore there thy gift before the altar and go thy way and first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. In other words, your, your testimony, your witness, your ability to be a salt of the earth is going to depend upon your ability to be reconciled with your brother. If you cannot reconcile with your brother, there's something missing. If you have a struggle with one of your brothers or your sisters or whoever it may be, a struggle with that, <clears throat> Jesus is saying, don't come and try to give all your offerings to me. Don't come and try to give yourself to me. Go make right with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Then I can receive it. <clears throat> he says, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's what the old, the old book, the old time, the law said. But he says, just to have the desire to look is adultery. <clears throat> My point in this, make it big. Even the little things, make them big so that you take care of them. Don't just pass them off and say, oh, well, that's just a little thing. Uh, nobody saw, nobody knows. But let it go. That's the way that you'll lose out. If that's the attitude, that you'll lose out someday. Someday the devil will take you farther than you want to go. And you'll end up someplace you don't want to be. <clears throat> Make it big. I'm going to go on here. A little more, a little more uh, practical things. Some of the problems that we deal with here in our own life. <clears throat> a heart that is resistant. Or a hardened heart, I called it. A heart that is that has seen a few things, done a few things, and you've got, kind of gotten used to it, and for long you're saying, oh, that doesn't matter so much. That kind of a heart is the kind of a heart that leads you down. The heart that says, that takes every, every, uh, everything that comes to you and says, this is big. Something that, that you might feel a little resistance towards. The heart that comes, when that comes to you, and you feel a little, res little resistance toward it, that kind of heart needs to be softened. That kind of a heart, you need to take that thing and say, this is not right. Everything. It's pretty easy sometimes to, to let these little feelings come in. And they're there, and they're there, and, and we don't do anything with them, and don't do anything with them. We knew they was wrong, but we just didn't do anything with them. 
Then after a while, we don't even know they're wrong anymore. But they're still wrong. The heart that's hardened. Let me talk a little bit about humility and pride. Humility is purposing to make the other person honored, loved, and appreciated. That's one definition of humility. The is purposing to make the other person honored, loved, and appreciated. Irregardless of what it does to me. That's one definition of humility. There, you know, there may be a little bit of pride in my heart. Not much, just a little bit. I can, I can just let that come. I can let that grow up. I can just let it go. Do nothing with it. And it'll, be, it'll become, it'll grow. But if I make it big and say, no, this is a big thing. This is something to deal with. This is something that matters. It really matters. Take it that way. <clears throat> Do that. What about your reputation? You know, it's, it's pretty easy to rise up in defense about your own reputation. And there may be a time to say the truth. There is a time always to say the truth. There's also a time to say, if it, if it, um, how do I say it? If you're there to defend your reputation in a way that is defensive, my, my point is this, basically. You do what's right. What somebody else says about you, and if your reputation gets tarnished because somebody else said something, that's not your business. Your business is to humble yourself and, and help others to be valued, loved, and appreciated. Not necessarily to defend yourself. That's your reputation, or that's your that's our our job. So we take these things, and if somebody is, is tarnishing our reputation, and we feel a little defensiveness in our heart, say, Well, wait a minute. I'm standing before God. Someday this thing is going to be big because is there big sins and little sins? Yeah, I think there are, but any sin needs to be dealt with. And let the Lord speak to you in your heart so that your heart can be tender and able to deal with these little things. Make them big. Little things. Take things seriously. They matter to God. <clears throat> and go on, going on. <clears throat> you know, sensitivity. Our hearts. How sensitive are we to others? How much do we care about how others feel? <clears throat> you know... Others have feelings that can be hurt, too. And, and that's that's not our job to determine if they should be or not. But our job is to determine how can we best be a blessing to others in in some of their some of their situations, whatever they may be. You you I'm encouraging you be sensitive to them. And when you're not sensitive to them, make it big when you hurt them. And now they have something to deal with. Say, no, I'm sorry. I did that wrong. And come before God and ask God for forgiveness. And maybe you need to ask them for forgiveness. Make these little things big. <clears throat> Lukewarmness. I talked a little bit about that earlier. Lukewarmness or complacency. <clears throat> okay. In order to determine if you're lukewarm or complacent or not, you have to have some sort of a standard. You have to decide, okay, this is okay. This is okay. This is not okay. How do you decide what is complacent? What is lukewarm? What is not 
setting your heart on a on a desire to walk with God? What is not doing that? Where where at any point in our life can we look at our life and say, where am I just toham? We have the scriptures. We have the church. We have our our um, our and, and in the scriptures and through the church, we have an understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Anytime you feel something is wrong. Something's not right. Make it big. Make it big. You find yourself. I, I know I used to be a little more this way and now I, I don't feel quite that way. Deal with that. Make it big. Make it so big that you come before God in repentance. You come before God in, in sorrow and you come before God and you, you confess and you admit that this is a problem. A, a little thing, make it big. Another real practical thing, I'll, I'll be a little more pointed even. And, and I don't know that I think you have a problem, but I'll just point out the principle. Slang words. Words that are not really bad words, but they're not as Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay nay. Those little words. You let those little words be there and before long it can go bigger and get and get to where they are bad words. They are wrong words. They are they are words God hates. Deal with those little slang words. As something big. It's not little when something can grow from little to big. That's not little. That's big. Deal with it that way. Think about it that way. Laziness. I don't care attitude. It's all right. Ah, well, forget it. You know, that's not right. God wants us to be clearly on fire and and, and fervent and dedicated to him. He wants us to be showing forth his truth all the time. All the time. And laziness is not a way to show God doesn't God doesn't compliment laziness. He wants diligence. He wants fervency. He wants he wants strong desire. He wants us to press on. There's never there, there's a great witness in the person who's who's clearly fervent, dedicated, sincere in whatever avenue you want to look, talk about. Whether you talk about the sports world, whether you talk about the church world, whether you talk about any kind of world, the person that's dedicated, the person that's sincere, the person that's fervent, those kind of people, they're leaders. They give they give example, they give direction and God stamps his approval on them. OK, so you say, oh, well, uh, he can be that way, but I'm just I'm just I don't feel like it today. Deal with it. Make it big. It's something to deal with. And part of the reason for this, if not the whole reason, well, part of the reason is the, the, the big reason for all these things, for us to live a holy life is for God's glory. That he can look down at each one of us and say, that's my child. That's my child. That's my child. And he's very pleased with us. That's our desire. That doesn't mean that God doesn't forgive and work with and and deal with and help help along and. Some people are farther along in their walk of holiness than others are. That doesn't mean this person over here that's not as far along is not approved of God. That doesn't mean that. It just simply means we want to go this way because that's the way God wants us to go. That's because that's the way we want this church to go. <clears throat> and I could probably say more about that. Maybe I won't. I don't know. 
Well, I will say this much. I appreciate what Brother Roger is going to do. Is it Wednesday night? Whenever it is. He's going to ask you, how can we be more effective in the kingdom of God? Now, he's talking about evangelism, but those kind of things. But the purpose is to be more effective in the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you, the reason I appreciate that is because you're not willing to stay where you are. He's leading you. He's leading you because he knows this is where God wants us to go. Don't take it lightly. This is this is big stuff. Whenever we look at what God wants for us, what God wants us to do, where he wants us to go, make it big. It's not a little thing. He's doing that because he loves God and he loves you all. And he's, maybe he's just going to talk to the youth, but that'll, that'll involve everybody. He's making it big. It's a big thing. I, I, I appreciate and bless you all for that. These things we've talked about, they can turn into sin, they can be sin, or they can be a, a stepping stone to higher ground. These things that, that we deal with in our heart, these little things that are just little, whatever, and, and, and you decide every day of your life, every, every, tomorrow you decide, is this a big thing or a little thing? Where will it lead me? Big thing or little thing? It's a big thing. It's a big thing. Take it and say, this matters. The cry of the world is, be your own man, do what you want to do. You can, you know, just simply you're, you're satisfying, you're pleasing yourself. That's the cry of the world, but it's not the cry of God. God is, God's cry is, come unto me. God's cry is, honor me. God's cry is, worship me. And God's cry is, I have died for your sins. Now, you come unto me. And for you to disregard your sin, disregard those little things, is to um, resist that cry that God is calling, 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 the cry God is calling you to, or the cry God is giving you. Someday there will be a judgment. Someday it will all be over. Someday you'll have no choice, no chance to make anything any different. Someday that'll be that way. And in that day, we'll all be glad that I took these little things of life and made them big. And all these, and I only mentioned a few of those things. Whatever you have in your life. Whatever comes into your heart, into your life, these irritations or things that are temptations, whatever they are, they're not just little things. I've said this, I know I've said this over and over and over again, but I want you to, I want, to, to, want it to bring it onto your minds that tomorrow, Brother Mark said, make it big. Make it big. You'll never regret it. There's a judgment coming. And someday, he says, nothing is secret. That shall not be made manifest. Nothing is hid. That shall not, that shall not be known and come abroad. <clears throat> Everything will be revealed. So today.
today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to take these little things that you might have in your life and make them big and deal with them. Don't let them become just these little things that don't matter. Rather, make them things to say that, that they do matter. In other words, say to yourself, does this matter? The answer is yes, it matters. Yes, it matters. And deal with them. In other words, to, to just simply let them go and say, oh, that doesn't matter too much. I'm just going to do this. And I didn't even go into this area. I'll just say this real quickly. Evaluate your life. Even if, even if you, you, know, you get the habit of doing things, it's good for us to look back and evaluate our life a little bit and say, why do I do these things? Is this right? Is this wrong? I've just kind of gotten used to it and I don't think anything about it. It'd be good for us to just go back and evaluate our life a little bit, evaluate our attitudes and evaluate our responses and say, are these things right? And if you find them well, maybe not quite. Make it big and deal with it in a way that, that, God, can, that God can speak into your heart and change your heart about it. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name this morning. Lord, I don't know. I, I just pray that, that the words I've spoken and how you have spoken into the hearts of, of the people, it might somehow make a difference in their lives. It might somehow uh, bring more honor to you. It might somehow strengthen and, and encourage your church, the people of God. I pray, Father, that the... That, um, That the enemy, that you would, you would uh, protect. That you would be able to and that you would, Father, give them a, a, um, a sense and a knowing of what is right and what is wrong. Help them to know, Father, and me too. Help them to know what things, what things are coming into my life or, or are in my life that I have just neglected. Or that I have not done anything with. Or that I just simply push back. Help me to know, help us to know, Father, what things they are and, and how to deal with those things. But to make these little things big. It's what's going to make the difference for some of us between heaven and hell. I pray, Father, that you're, for your grace in our lives, for your understanding that you'd help us to know. I pray, Father, that uh, in every situation that we're called to, uh, to discern and, and to encounter, that you would give us the ability and the understanding of what is right, what is wrong, and to choose the right. Thank you for your mercy. How you have been so merciful to us. And you, you grant us the opportunity of life. You grant us the opportunity of, of, uh, of coming to you. That's mercy. We thank you for it. And I pray, Father, that from this day forward, each of us might deal a little quicker with those little things in our life that need to be dealt with. Those little little things and, and, and to deal with them. I just pray, Father, help us all to do it. For your glory. For the furtherance and blessing and the strength of the church. For the encouragement and edification of brothers and sisters, of individuals. May it all be, in the end, May it all redound to your glory. May your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name.
Amen.